This evening's scripture reading is from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the, spirit, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Thanks. The word of the Lord. Well, <clears throat> today we're going to end our study in the book of Ephesians, and it's been an exciting study. This letter transformed the early church. And it's my hope that it will transform this church also. And, and not only our church, but our homes, our family, and, and our society, the people that we interact with on a daily basis. This was Paul's prayer, and this is my prayer for you. Paul's prayer is not that you would be inspired when you read this word, but that you would be transformed that's the goal of Scripture, is transformation. And so today's section of Scripture begins with Paul trying to prepare us for the battles that we face. And he does this uh, first by describing the enemy. So there's two facets to this sermon. First is Paul wants us to understand who the enemy is. And second, he describes the tools that we have that we can defend ourselves against this enemy with. And so, but before I begin, I want to, to sort of paint the big picture here. What is this all about? What's this all about today? Well, everything goes back kind of to the Garden of Eden for me. And in the Garden of Eden, you remember Adam and Eve fell prey to the Satan, uh, to the serp serpent Satan. Satan came before Adam and Eve and tempted them. Satan tried to get them to question whether or not what God said was, was true. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect society, and in many ways, the society that they lived in is similar to our church. Our church can be a society like that, too. 
And all of what Paul teaches us in Ephesians is trying to get us to understand that we live in that kind of a society, that the church can be that same kind of a society that Adam and Eve lived in. Paul wants us to be able to trust God fully and live our lives accordingly. Because if you don't trust God, you're not going to live in a way that's going to bring honor to God. Jesus had come that we might have abundant life, that we might have a perfect life. And in John 10.10, Jesus says, (laughs) this is when these people are supposed to be quick on the draw. Okay, in John 10.10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life till its fullest. Thank you. (laughs) Back in the garden, Satan had stole the trust that man had with with God. He killed and destroyed the pure relationship that Adam and Eve experienced with God. Satan was able to do all of this with very little resistance. When you read through uh, the beginning of the book of Genesis and you see how this was all done, you see that they didn't even resist Satan at all. And Satan was able to capture them. The battle battle that Paul is trying to prepare us to today is exactly the same. We have the exact same enemy. We have Satan as our enemy. When you see a problem creep into the church, it's tempting to think, well, this person's doing this and I don't agree with this person or that, whatever it might be. And you begin to see other people as the reason for the problems within the church when Satan is sort of sneaking his way in. Our battle is against Satan. It's not against each other in our homes or in our church, but it's against Satan No more, and it was the same then in in the garden, Adam and Eve. Adam didn't have a real problem with his wife. There was nothing wrong with his wife. He had a good wife. And yet, look what took place. It was the enemy that snuck in and ruined their marriage. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authority, against powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The enemy is not us, it's Satan. And Satan is out to destroy us. He's out to destroy our homes and he's out to destroy our church. Adam and Eve fell prey to Satan in the garden and it cost them what? What did it cost them? Caleb, what did it cost them? Cost them a lot. Well, they got kicked out of the garden, first of all, right? So that was a biggie. And their lives were pretty much ruined. So, yeah, it, it could have cost them eternity if, if they didn't, you know, if Jesus hadn't come. I shouldn't have just picked on you without giving you the answer ahead of time. <laughs> but it cost them a lot to get kicked out of the garden, to get kicked out of paradise. This was called paradise. And you got kicked out. It cost a lot. 
we're under the same attack as Adam and Eve were under. And Paul understood this well. His prayer was that you would understand that well, that you are under, under this kind of attack. Understanding the enemy is the first step in being able to win the battle. Unfortunately, most of our homes and most of our churches don't really understand the enemy. They don't understand. Most of us don't understand that it's the enemy, who the enemy is. And as a result, we have weak homes, we fight with each other, we have weak churches because of it. Instead of this new society working really well, this new church working really love and, uh, well in love and unity, it often, the church doesn't work much well at all, doesn't work much better than the world outside. And it's sad. This is Paul's letter to us so that we would not live that way, that our church would not be like that. Instead of this new society working in, in unity and love, it doesn't work at all. We often blame each other, just like Adam and Eve did. We look around when there's a problem and we have somebody else to blame other than the enemy. How sad it is to blame each other and not the real enemy. We could have a perfect church. Remember that. We could actually have a perfect church. So now that Paul has described the enemy, he continues by describing the tools that we have to defend ourselves against this enemy. And the good news is, is that this new society, which is kind of like the old society of the Garden of Eden, we now have tools to defend ourselves. We have something that they didn't use to defend ourselves. And these tools are more powerful than anything on earth, these tools that we have. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, there it is, good, says, uh, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. These weapons that we have are powerful. They're not just regular guns and things like that. They're the same weapons that uh, Andy read in the scripture verses that when God sent people out against the enemy, that they were not going to be defeated. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire, picture yourself being into, going into the fire and knowing that God was going to protect you. That's the we kind of weapons we have. That's the kind of faith that Paul wants you to have and to be able to depend upon. Our God is a mighty God. But when we use these tools, we're told that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against us. Unfortunately, a lot of us don't ever pick up these tools. Most of the time, we're unaware that the enemy is attacking us, and we allow the enemy to creep in, just like uh, Adam and Eve did. We allow him to creep into our home and into our church, and once again, we see destruction like they saw. 
So I had a little illustration here. How would you um, live if um, you had a snake and it got out in your house? Or you knew there was a snake in your house. How would that change your life? What would you be thinking? Anybody? Anybody? Would that bother anybody? Okay. Okay. Kind of snake, yeah. Well, okay, so uh, our oldest son wanted a snake when he was, I don't know, 12, 14. And I, I hate snakes so badly. I, I mean, I just, I am deathly afraid of them. But he wanted one so badly, and I told him that if he could go to the pet store, this was Matthew, you know, some of you know him. Uh, if, if he could go to the pet store and he could actually pick up the snake and show me he wasn't afraid of it, then I would let him get it. Well, he, he wasn't afraid of it, and he got it. Uh, but, and I made, this, I made this cage that was foolproof. Nothing could have got out of this cage. And yet, one day he came to me and said, it's loose. And I thought, well... You better find it. And my thinking was that if you can't find it, the, the next best thing is just burn down the house. <laughs> right? And that was my plan. You know, that's just, there's no reason. I mean, I just wasn't going to be, able, I'd have nightmares, you know. And I did have nightmares even in spite of the fact that he did find it. Make no mistake about it. Satan is in your home, and he's in the church, and he's trying to destroy this new society, just like he destroyed the old society. He is here to destroy you. And so let's look at some of the tools that are in the box. The first tool is the belt of truth. Today we have the Word of God. Adam and Eve didn't have the written word of God, but they did have God there talking with them. The word of God is our first defense against the enemy, but this first uh, belt of truth is more about us living by the truth, and it's more about us having integrity so that we're not people that are living in a way lying you know, we tell the truth. We're not people that are stealing. Satan can use people who don't have any integrity. Satan can get to you very easily. Um, and men and women who know God's word always stand stronger than those who don't. It's like that in any area of, of anything in the business world, knowing your particular area, you're going to be the one that's going to do better than someone that knows nothing, right? And it's the same way in the church. Those who know the word of God are going to stand stronger against the enemy. If you don't know or if you don't stand for God's truth, you'll, you'll fall for Satan's lies. The word of God is our first defense against the enemy and our truthfulness. Second is the breastplate of righteousness. God has given us his righteousness. 
He is the one that is within us, building us and building our faith. He is the one that is with us, that is teaching us and is sanctifying us. In the garden, Adam and Eve, they could have cried out to God, couldn't they, for his help. They could have, you know, there's Satan saying, you know, did God really say that? You know what? Here's an idea. God, what did you say? They could have cried out to him. You can do the same thing. When Satan is tempting you with something, you can call out to God, but you can also look into his word. You can pray at any time and always follow God closely, allowing him to protect you in all situations. Put on his righteousness and be protected. Third is our boots. Uh, we are to wear the boots of peace. The boots allow us to be able to withstand the pressures that Satan puts on us for the long run. We learn that Christians, uh, that, I'm sorry, we learned at Christmas time that uh, God's peace came to earth. And Jesus had said that um, he came to give us this peace. And we, and we read through the scriptures over and over during the Christmas time about peace on earth. Is there peace on earth? Well, the only place where there's peace on earth is when you're looking to that baby Jesus. That's where the peace is. And so we're to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. That's where our peace comes from. For me, the boots of peace help me as I go through long periods of times where Satan is attacking. You can go the long road when you're looking at Jesus and your focus is on him. We're to get our peace from him and we're to live at peace with others. We need to constantly be checking to see if we live our lives in peace or are we living in conflict. What does what your life look like? Are you living in peace? Are you looking to God constantly for your peace? If you're looking at the world, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but it's really difficult for me to watch the news anymore. It's just like, uh, this is not peaceful, you know. Can't do it. And if that's all I watched and I didn't look to Jesus, I'd be a nervous wreck because things look really horrible in a lot of ways. But when I look to Jesus and I see the peace and I understand that he is telling me that I can be at peace because just like Shadrach, Shadrach, Rack, Meshach, and Abednego, it doesn't matter whether I'm in the fire or not. He's there. He's my peace. He's going to take care of me. The fourth is the shield of faith, and our faith protects us against the dots that Satan throws at us. Satan tries to discourage us the same way he tries to discourage Adam and Eve. He's constantly trying to discourage you. We get discouraged when we feel as though we can't trust God. So many situations come along where we feel like, you know, this week was, there was a hard thing. And I know that 
uh, it, it probably bothered a lot of Christian people. There was, there was a bus uh, that was on the road going to Disney and got hit with a truck and, and um, five of the kids from a church were killed. And you think about it and you think, God, you know, it's easy to think when you hear something like that was, is God, you're not really protecting us. Satan, that's the first thing Satan tells you is God's not really there. Look what just happened. But our God is there. And we need to know that. We get discouraged when we don't believe God's promises to us. Our discouragement causes us to look out for who? For ourselves. If God's not looking out for me, who's going to look out for me? I've got to do it, right? That's what discouragement does. We begin to think that we need to take care of ourselves first instead of thinking about what God wants us to do to be going out into the world caring for other people and caring for the people around us in our church. Our faith is our defense against discouragement, depression, defeat, distrust, and despair. Pastor Jonathan asked me to put that in there. So if you like those five Ds, you can thank him for that. Um, <laughs> but you know, for faith, when it comes to the uh, shield of faith, as I get older, it's so much easier to trust God. And you know why? Because as I've trusted him from day one, I've seen he's never let me down. As time goes on, your faith becomes stronger and stronger when you put your trust in God. When you see every single time that he doesn't let you down. Our faith is our defense against discouragement. When Satan throws an arrow at you, hold up your shield. God is always victorious. Fifth is the helmet of salvation. Understanding that you're a child of God. Understanding that you're a child of God is an incredible thing. God is your father. You're not just anybody. You're a child of God. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. You will not be defeated by Satan. The blood of Jesus covers you. John 10, 28 to 30 says, I give them eternal life. Listen to the words here. I give them, this is you, eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Those are pretty strong words. You need to live those words and understand that they're true. true. Understand that God is standing next to you and he will protect you. You have the same protection over your life as those people had that went into the fiery furnace. 
Lastly is the sword of the Spirit. Now the sword is the Word of God. This sword is the only tool that we have to attack with. All of the rest are for our protection. But God's Word has already defeated the enemy. This you have to remember when you go into battle, when Satan's attacking you, that God has already defeated you. You're a dog on a chain. I don't know how many of you are afraid of dogs, but if a dog is on a chain, that's a pretty big step up in comfort, isn't it? When you see that the dog is on the chain and he can't reach you. Satan's on a chain at this point. God has defeated him. So we have all that we need to live victorious in this new society, the church. We can have victory at home and in our church, and we can have victory over our sins. But, but I say that, and I have to say mostly, because none of us are actually able to live sinless lives. No matter how much armor we put on, we're still going to sin, we're still going to fall. That's why we need God's grace. And a lot of Ephesians was just about that. It was about the grace of God. And that was uh, Pastor Jonathan's theme throughout the book is we need grace. Why do we need grace? Because we constantly fail. We constantly fall. Well, Paul's letter began with the words, grace and peace to you, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way Paul began the book. And he ended his letter in the same way with these words, Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. My prayer for you is the same as Paul's prayer for you, that you would understand this incredible gift of grace that God has given you and that you would live in peace and unity, submitting to one another in love, that you would grow strong in your faith, that you would know God's word and that you would stand strong in times of trouble. Thank you.